0: We're gonna check. It. There we go. All right. Hey, Danny. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we're in the last of our prayer series. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we have um, just taken a really beautiful view on prayer and how prayer enriches our lives. How many of you have been blessed by this series? I've loved it. It's really good. Last week's Jeremy sermon, I was talking about it all week. I'm like, man, listening to God and how we listen to God is so important, so I love that. Um, But today, I get to end our time talking about prayers of repentance. Yes, and how many of you, red flags, went like, as soon as I said that word? It's interesting, Leo and I have been going downtown. We went to like a concert downtown. We went to an Ohio State football game. And like, have you ever experienced the bullhorn people? (laughs) Yes, anyone? Like the people on the bullhorn just screaming, repent, like just telling you to repent and telling you all of these awful things. Anyone ever experienced that? Even last week, what in the world? I was driving here, going up to pick my son up from school, and on Carl Road, there's this dude in a chair screaming at the high school students, barf, like can we not, Ugh. Um, What's it like in the movies, right? It's always the end times and there's this raggedy person with the sign repent. The end is near, whether it's Simpsons or wherever it is, that person always shows up. And so I just want to like dispel a little bit. If that is you with a red flag, like what the heck is she going to be telling me today? We're just going to take a deep breath together. It's okay, it's okay. Um, Because here's here's the thing that's kind of frustrating, but I think you understand this. There are truths about the way we're supposed to live into wholeness and into life that the enemy would want nothing more than to make a caricature of so that we don't do it. Do you hear that? Because repentance is real. It's a real beautiful thing that we're invited into, but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not a dude with a bullhorn screaming out sin. It's not. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And he does not use the word repent to coerce us, using guilt and shame in exchange for confession. Because sometimes that's the other way that it's used in the church. Guilt, shaming you, repent, Even as Christians, sorry, even as Christians, we have gotten confused to where we can't identify God's call for repentance because we're looking for condemnation. Where we expect to feel shame and guilt. That's what we expect. God shows us our sin. We feel like crap about it. And so we tell him and then we're clean for a little bit. Right? I just said crap on the stage. Okay. Um, But it's the opposite. Again, repentance leads to to a full and vibrant life with God, free of guilt and shame. Repentance allows God to transform our minds and our habits so that we can live at peace with him and with others. And a few weeks ago, I preached on what the peace of God is. It allows us to see ourselves in Christ. And that was a whole illustration. You can go back and watch that one. Pride on one hand and shame on the other, both ends hinder the process of transformation. And so um, before we dig into our scripture, I wanted to start off with a children's book. Um, The first, I, I used to do it like a book subscription for Elias and the first time I ever read this book, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna read this in a sermon someday. And so we're gonna read this book together and I don't know, I'm gonna stand really still because I just texted Leo and told him I was doing this. Um, and so I'm gonna stand really still so the people at, on the like, home or wherever they, they can see it. You won't see the pictures perfectly, but I'm, I'm gonna read this to us The Near Sighted Giraffe. <laughs> giraffe couldn't see very well. She tripped over a Snake and got in a huge tangle. You need glasses. The other animals cried, so they made her a pair. I'm not wearing them, said giraffe. A giraffe in glasses would look silly. And she walked off. Giraffe would not wear the glasses even after she banged her head on a branch. I'll wear a bicycle helmet, she said, to protect my head. So from then on, giraffe wore a bicycle helmet. What is she doing? The other animals asked each other. Giraffe would not wear the glasses even after she crashed into Rhino. I'll wear a bell on my tail, she said. Then everyone will hear me coming. So giraffe wore a bicycle helmet and a bell. How silly, Lion grumbled. Giraffe would not wear the glasses even after she hurt her foot on a rock. I'll wear boots, she said. That way my feet will be safe. So giraffe wore a bicycle helmet a bell, and boots. She's getting worse, elephant whispered. Giraffe would not wear the glasses even after she sat on a thorny bush. I'll wear a pillow, she said. It will protect my bottom. So giraffe wore a bicycle helmet, bell, boots, and a pillow. How odd, everyone said. Giraffe would not wear the glasses even after she fell into the river. I'll wear an inflatable ring, she said, to keep me afloat if I fall in the water. She is crazy, Hippo said. So giraffe wore a bicycle helmet, a bell, boots, a pillow, and an inflatable ring. Mm -hmm. No one else ever here does this. Okay. Giraffe would not wear the glasses even after she tumbled into a hole. I'll carry a ladder with me, she said. Then if I fall in a hole, I'll be able to climb out. So Giraffe wore a bicycle helmet, a bell, boots, a pillow, and an inflatable ring, and she carried a ladder over her back. How ridiculous, everyone said. The other animals felt sorry for Giraffe. If only she could see herself, Cheetah said. One night, Cheetah had an idea. He crept up to Giraffe while she was sleeping and put the glasses on her. She shrieked when she woke up and saw her reflection in a pool of water. Is that me? I look ridiculous. She took off the bicycle helmet, the bell, the boots, the pillow, the inflatable ring, and finally the ladder. Giraffe looked back in the pool and noticed the glasses perched on her nose. Hmm. She smiled, pleased. I look really good. (laughs) <laughs> yes you do everyone cheered finally able to see giraffe stepped over a ladybug and happily strolled off isn't that cute but how many of you were like oh yeah mm-hmm. there's there's some things in this story right first off when I said pride and shame are the two extremes right how many of us just want to keep our things or we don't want to do the thing that would actually change the situation because we want to keep the thing or we don't want to do the thing, right? There's pride. And then she was proud thinking that she could just solve her own problems, but they just compounded. Her community noticed. But I love that, like, not only did the community notice that that she needed glasses, but they actually made them for her. And then they actually, like, put them on her in a time when, when they knew that, you know, she would be receptive because she was actually asleep. But you know what I mean? But there was something about the community that giraffe had that helped her realize, oh my goodness. And what was it? It took her looking at herself in the pool of water. It took reflection to see, oh yeah, this is not working. (laughs) I look ridiculous. But then it also took reflection for her to accept herself and accept her need for glasses. Um, when we think about community and the role of community in our lives with repentance, it's really important. My dad used to say that there are really only two things that ever made him angry. I don't know if you think about angry, kind of things that make you angry. Two things, only two things. My dad was a very patient man, but the two things were people and circumstances. So, you know, there's there's that, right? Can we talk about that for a minute, right? People and situations. I think I would live a sinless life for the most part if I had no people in my life. Anybody else? It would be easy to like have a, just me and like those people who live in the monasteries. Some days I'm like, oh man, y'all got it, right? There's something about being in with people, with family. Sometimes family brings it out in us. Yes or no? Whoo! people in situations, <coughs> And so I think it's beautiful that we live with other people. There's a reason why we are created to be in community. We were not created to all live in beautiful monasteries with homemade food and rest and no one bothering you in the middle of the night. Um, we, weren't, we weren't made for that. I would love that for someone else to cook. Anyway, um, but we have these things that happen to us when we're around other people. Our stuff comes to the surface, right? But what's beautiful is God has created community. When we're in healthy community, we get to be like cheetah <laughs> and be like, here, can I, can I show you some, This This is something that you might wanna consider. And we have all of this inner dialogue, I think, that really stops us from having healthy relationships. Um, I've been kind of digging into my own stuff as the Lord is leading me into repentance, just having a posture of repentance and a posture of reflection. And for women, I think sometimes our inner dialogue is that we are too much of something or not enough. Can I get an amen? Too demanding, too impulsive, too loud, too emotional, too much but also that we are not enough. Women, we are not pretty enough, not talented enough, this is me, not organized enough, not calm enough, not supportive enough, fill in the blank, right? Women, this is kind of our tension that we live in a lot. We are too much of something and not enough of something else, and that makes us unlovable, and that makes us undesirable, and that makes us feel like we are not all the things that we sang about earlier. For men, what I'm listening to, you know, I'm not a dude, but I'm listening and what I keep hearing is this inner dialogue of fear of failure. That even if you try, you can fail and that you absolutely fear failing those that you love. So sometimes it's easier to not even try. Or when you do finally try, you fear that you will not be enough that it won't be enough. There won't be enough money. You will never do enough to make people happy. You'll never make enough impact on those around you. And your value and your worth has everything to do with what you do instead of simply who you are. And same for women, our value and worth comes from what we do or do not do instead of simply who we are. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's exhausting. Anybody else? These lies and these things that we fight are exhausting. Which is why there's an invitation to surrender. To repent of our ways of thinking and being in the world and reorienting our minds and actions to the way God intended for us to be. An invitation to surrender. So we're gonna look at a scripture in John chapter five. I... Love this story so much. If any of you like The Chosen, there's a Chosen episode about this one. It's the man that's being healed at the pool. And it's powerful. It's like a four minute clip. You could even like look it up on you know YouTube. The man being healed at the pool. And um, it'll take five minutes of your time. And it's oh, amazing. But here we go. Um, yeah, I'll read it from here. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool While I'm trying to get in, oh, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And I love this picture because Jesus is there. We've talked a lot about how Jesus enters into stuff with us, right? Our women's group, were are studying Luke and how intentional God is about meeting people where they are. Jesus went to this pool where all of these sick and injured people were were waiting for this water that had healing properties. He went there, he went where they were sick. And he listened to the man. He knew the man had been an invalid for so long. But what was the question? Do you wanna get well? Sometimes we're confronted with that question. For me, when I see triggers that are going on in my life and I see thought patterns and I see cycles and I'm trying to put on bicycle helmets and bells to try to avoid the thing that's really the thing that needs to be healed, Jesus asks, do you want to get well? Do you want to be free of this? And if we're honest, I think sometimes we say no because we don't know what healing can actually look like. We don't know what health and wholeness can actually look like. And so you can hear it even in the man's response. What does he do? He blames the people. You know, it's not even about his own stuff. He's like, dude, like, don't you see all the people pushing me out of the way? Like, it's all their fault. It's their fault I'm not healed. Whew, that's a word, Right? How many of us could say, well, Jesus, it's this husband you gave me, or Jesus it's this child you gave me, or Jesus is this work situation you put me in, right? Sometimes we place blame on other people instead of realizing, wait, there's some healing that God wants to do here. And why a story about healing when we're talking about repentance? This is why, because sin is a sickness. It infects and destroys us and our relationships to others. Marriages are sick because of sin. Families are sick because of sin. Friendships are sick because of sin. And I feel that the invitation from the Lord is for healing today. Healing of our hearts and our minds. And as Christians, we really are invited into a new way of life. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes... When I look at the purpose that God has for the church and the world to be the sign and the foretaste and the good news and to carry the good news, we don't have a lot of good news to offer because we're stuck and we're complacent and we are not living the way that God has actually called us to live in new resurrection life. A life that permeates everything. It permeates the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about others. It permeates our actions. Our lives actually change. You know, I love psychology. I love counseling. I have friends who are in counseling and it's incredible. But there is something to the way that the world is trying to address issues and the way that Christians can live into new identities as they address their issues, right? For me, I know that because of Galatians, it says, I am crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live in faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, which means that when I am facing a messy house, I'm just gonna be honest, guys, I am like the most disorganized person. Like Rachel, one of my interns, she's like, do you want me to just clean your car? I'm like, I know, it's a hot mess, right? I am so disorganized, but you know what I've started doing at night when we're doing our family prayer time? I'm like, Jesus, you know me, you created me, and you make me new. So you have a strategy for how you're gonna help our family clean our house. You have a strategy. You're going to give us energy. You're going to give us like willingness and creativity because the creator of the world lives in me. And if you could create this mess, no, I'm kidding. I created the mess. But if you can create, I can do it too. And so like at night, we're literally praying, okay, Lord, this is something that our family has got to figure out because none of us are good at any of this. But you are, and you're going to give us a strategy to figure it out. And you know what happened? We're folding clothes. We're making beds. It's like, okay, this is a value that we have, right? Last year, it was, how do we talk to each other? Because we were not talking to each other the greatest. And it's like, all right, Lord, you gave me this amazing man in my life and I got to figure out, we got to figure out how to talk to each other better. You gave me this son that is pushing all of my buttons, but we got to figure this out. And so, Lord, you are in me. The resurrection power of Jesus is in me to care about the things that actually influence my family. Do you hear me? It matters in the tiniest things and it matters in the big things. How do we live as a resurrected people, as people who have truly repented? <laughs> How do we do it? Because there is a whole life that God is inviting us into. The next point I have is that we are invited, we are actually, um, there's scriptures about it that of course I forgot to put up because I am the most organized person you'll ever meet. Um, Where is it? In Galatians, I think. I have a few different scriptures here. Yeah, Ephesians 1, 5, Galatians 4, 5, and Romans 18. It talks about being adopted into the family of God. Something else that I've noticed in myself and in other people is that there are family patterns. How many of you know that you have family patterns? Some of them are positive and amazing and some of them are total junk. Yes, can I say that? And so here's the cool thing about being resurrected, being surrendered to Jesus is that we're invited into a new family. The Bible actually uses the word adopted. And that's a whole truth, a whole depth that we don't have time to go into today. But I wanna give you hope encourage courage that you, if you have surrendered your life, if you have repented, then guess what, you are adopted. The things from the past, the things from your family, the things from even your life, whatever you've done in the past is all made new and you are now in God's family. It actually says that we can have the mind of Christ. But there are so many people who want to just keep saying, oh, I'm a wretched sinner. Oh, I'm a, you know, and there's truth to the fact that we are going to continue to sin. But the fact is we can also live a resurrected life. And I'd rather we talk more about that than all of our sin, right? Can we do that? Can we do that? Because there's life that we're missing out on if we are not truly surrendering our brains and our hearts and our emotions to Jesus. So what we are going to do right now is we're gonna do a little exercise all together. Not, and Bob was funny, he's like, what kind of exercise are you gonna have us do? I'm like, no, not that kind. So if the ushers could pass out a piece of paper for me We're going to do something, because I've learned this simple practice in my life, and this is a practice that ancients have used as they have wanted to draw near to the Lord, and as they've um, engaged with their relationship with the Lord. It's a practice of just reflection, of simple reflection, an invitation, and so we're going to do that today, because... At the end of the day, I don't know how many of us have that kind of practice at home on our own. And so we want to give you tools that not only we do here, but tools that you can use as you leave this place to engage with the Lord. And so it starts first with... Revelation. Last week, Jeremy talked about listening to God and creating space in our lives where we are actually setting aside time to just listen to God, to just be with the Lord. Now, you don't have to write in this. This is just blanks just because to, to have blanks in it. So don't worry. No one's going to read your mail. It's all good. Um, but for me, what I've noticed over like, I took a few different classes on just healing prayer and inner healing and all of those kind of things. And, and what, what I notice is that there are situations in my life like the near-sighted giraffe where things start blowing up <laughs> and it's just not working. And I'm getting frustrated. People around me are getting frustrated. And they're like, so, we all come to a point, something has got to change. Has anybody else got to a point like that? Something has got to change, right? And so when we realize something has got to change, then this is what we do. And this is just a general thing. This is by no means a doctoral dissertation. This is not thorough, but this is just a simple thing to do. Okay, everybody got it? Thanks guys. So we sit in Psalm 139. And I preached on this Psalm a few months ago. It is my go-to Psalm for so many things in my life. But the the last verses of Psalm 139 just say this, "'Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life.'" And so when we go and sit with the Lord, Sometimes a million things come up because all of this guilt and shame and crap comes up in our brains. And so we have to stop that stuff because that's not what it's about and say, Lord, you are here with me right now. You see me, you hear me, you know me. What is the one thing that you want to bring to my attention? What, is, what are my glasses that I need? What is the one thing that you want to get to the root of right now? And we can create that space. And so we're going to practice a little bit. So I'm going to give you a minute. What is one thing maybe in your life that Jesus, your loving father who wants to invite you into wholeness and health and life abundant might be highlighting from this past week, from maybe even this morning with fights in the car. I don't even know. But what is it? What is one thing? And then when our loving father brings that thing to mind, then you simply repent. Now, repenting means to turn from, okay? So it's like, I was going in this direction that was leading to destruction and a hot mess and chaos. And so I'm gonna turn from here. Like, God, thank you for revealing this thing. And so first we say, Lord, I repent of believing this wrong thing about myself, usually that's where it starts with me, right? I, re- I repent of thinking that, I don't know. I don't know if I wanna say any things that I've been working with, but I, re- I repent of believing this about myself. It has affected the way I view myself because I thought I was blank. But instead you are showing me that as your image bearer, I am this. So do you see, we're turning We believe things about ourselves that are not true. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy in such deep, profound, jerk-filled ways. He's such a jerk. And he does these things to try to keep us down. Like literally, I'm digging up stuff in my own life that happened to me when I was a kid to speak against the things that I'm doing right now. And I'm like, what a jerk, right? And so we repent of those things. We turn and say, I'm not gonna invest in this thought process, this cycling more. I'm going to believe what you say about me, who you say I am. And we'll get into more of that in a minute. This thought pattern, this practice has affected the way I view you, God, because I thought you were Condemning, you're angry, you're like overbearing. You're (laughs) all of the things that are not true that again, the enemy wants to fill our brains with caricatures of who God is. And instead of that, you are showing me that you are filled with love and mercy and kindness and grace. And you fill me with everything that I need, right? We turn instead of these things, we turn to these things, to these truths. And then this is where it goes even farther. Lord, I repent of believing blank about what other other person. Because at the end of the day, our sin affects other people. Our thoughts, our behaviors affect other people. We're not responsible for how they behave, but we're responsible for how we act and how we respond. Yes, we're not responsible for them, We're responsible for ourselves, okay? It has affected the way I view them because I thought they were fill in the blank of all of the ridiculous things that we think about other people. But instead, you are showing me that as your image bearer, they are what? And so we repent, we turn. We turn from false ideas. We turn from the enemy. We turn from all the things. Here's the deal. There are two things that are at work in us, right? And they're both and, it's not just one or the other. Our sin is at work in us. And the enemy is at work around us, yes? It's not all demons, but it's also not all sin. It's both and, and we have to understand that we are in that battle, but yet we live a resurrected life, yes? okay. So I always want to bring that back in. So we, we have the revelation. We sit with God. You're sitting with God right now in this moment. We repent. We turn. Lord, what is it? How do you want to reorient my thinking? How do you want to reorient it, my thoughts and my emotions? And then we renounce the footholds that were given to the enemy because of that sin. And so here's just a short list. There are many things that you could whatever. But these are the patterns. This is the strongholds. This is because I believe these things. I allowed the enemy to just continue to confirm those things in this cycle of crap. I'm just going to keep saying crap. Sorry. Okay. Um, so I renounce pride, shame, guilt, fear. These are some of the other ones that just came as I was, as I was um, praying through today. The spirit of abandonment the spirit of anger, the spirit of rejection, family patterns of addiction or abuse, old coping mechanisms that no longer serve me. We renounce those things. It's important to renounce those things. And then you can flip the page. This is embracing the identity of Christ. And my computer like freaked out five times when I was typing this out. So I know the enemy doesn't want y'all to know this, but we're gonna do it, okay? So here's what we have. And again, this is not comprehensive. This is just something that I was praying through and this is what I wrote, okay? Jesus, I thank you that through your body and blood, I am adopted into your family. That means that I am made new. My mind and heart transformed. My sin and flesh was nailed to the cross with you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have new life. I have new thought patterns, new behaviors, and new ways of relating to the people around me so that I can authentically proclaim the wonders of you who have called me out of darkness and into your marvelous light. That's who we're called to be people. And all of these verses, if there's anything like part of the reason why I put the whole thing, and didn't abbreviate anything, because not all of us know the Bible. And so if you want to like write out these verses and put them in places to, rem- to remind yourself, like some of these verses I just have in my bones because I needed them. I need to remember the greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I need to remember that my mind can be transformed through God's power, Right? I needed to be reminded that all of these things are true. That new thought patterns, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is trustworthy, think on these things, that whole verse, right? All of those things, my mind needs to be renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's possible. Amen? And so repentance is an invitation. It's an invitation to exchange. It's an invitation to turn from all the junk, all the, I'm just going to say it again, all the crap, (laughs) to the new life, to the newness that Christ offers us. And so what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to take communion because it's our third week of the month, but it fits perfectly into this. And and what we're going to do today is a little different. We're actually going to pick up our mats and we're going to (laughs) walk. We're going to walk to the communion table. Okay. And here's what I want you to picture if you would, and not everybody has, I will say this, you do not have to participate in communion if you do not feel like you want to, but it is open to everyone. Okay, and so everyone is welcome to repent. Hello, everyone is welcome to take the body and the blood of Jesus that is enough for us, that covers us, that makes us new, that heals us. It's incredible, I love communion. And so what we're gonna do right now, we're just, I'm gonna sing a song, of course, because that's what I do, but we're, um, we're gonna just take communion and Lori has these really cool little things, so you're gonna come up, Take the body and the blood, have a moment with Jesus, and then put your little cup there in the trash. (laughs) Sound good? It's a little trash can, and then you don't carry it back with you. Um, But I want you to just take time. Like, there's no rush to come up here. But as you come, what I want you to think about is leaving this thing that the Lord highlighted at your seat and coming up and taking the body and the blood of Jesus. And then turning away from this stuff, right? Knowing that Jesus is in you, Jesus is with you. And if you truly, if you have never actually repented ever in your life and you wanna do that today, you are welcome to do that. You are welcome to say, Jesus, the way that I've been living my life, Obviously, in these ways is not great. And if there's something new that you want from me, I surrender my life and I give my life to you. My mind, my emotions, my heart, my will, my pride. I, get, I lay it down to be made new. That's an, that's an invitation for all of us this morning. So I'm going to go over here cuz that's what I do. And um, I'm just gonna play a little bit and we have some time. Oh, I'll just use this, I think. Uh, thanks. Um, and come up when you want to come up and take your time with the Lord, whatever you need, um, whatever you need to do.